Hey there, everyone. It's Jennifer, your art curious host, back at you this week with our new short form Friday roundup of my favorite art history updates and interesting news tidbits. This is Art Curious News This Week, and as a gentle reminder, these are of course in addition to your normal Art Curious regular and bonus episodes that you know and love, and all of this just gets you up to date on the latest goings-on in the realm of art history. So let's get to it. Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022, and this week I'm sharing some exciting archaeological news with you. First up, it has been a big week for British archaeologists. In Hinton St. Mary, which is a village in the Dorset region, archaeologists recently discovered a mosaic dating back to the 4th century when Rome occupied much of what is now Great Britain. The excavation of this site was commissioned by the British Museum, who worked with the archaeological and heritage service company Vianova Archaeology to uncover ancient Roman sites in Dorset. This mosaic, comprised of multicolored tesserae, or the small stones that are used to create the mosaic's designs, showcases a mythological scene of the Greek hero Bellerophon, who is shown riding a pegasus and slaying a chimera, a fantastical creature that is like a lion-goat-snake combo. Though the mosaic isn't in the best condition since it was found on a site that had been used for agriculture for centuries, it is still an interesting find that helps us to uncover the ancient Roman past of the British Isles. What's also fascinating is that this recently discovered mosaic is actually the second mosaic found at this particular site. The other one was discovered in 1963 and is by far larger and in much better condition. It presents viewers with a portrait of a man in its center roundel. Now, it has long been argued that this is a portrait of Jesus Christ, as the figure is presented before the Greek letters chi and rho, which are the first two letters of the word Christ in Greek. And when presented together, they've long been used as symbols for Christianity as a whole. As the figure is additionally flanked by pomegranates, which are sometimes used to symbolize eternal life and the resurrection of Christ, this does seem like an apt identification of that central figure. Though others have also identified the Emperor Constantine I as another potential candidate. For our next story, we are staying in Britain, but we are bypassing land in favor of sea. According to Art News, the first known shipwreck from the medieval period was discovered off the southern coast of England, as announced this week by Bournemouth University. The shipwreck was actually found in 2020, but the discovery was only announced to the press in recent days. The man who discovered the wreck is a local sea captain named Trevor Small, who has long had a passion for searching for shipwrecks. As he said in the announcement, quote, I was born into a seafaring family. I've skippered thousands of sea miles looking for shipwrecks from my home port of Poole. In summer 2020, I discovered what I believed to be an undetected wreck site. Recent storms had revealed something unknown on the seabed. I was granted permission to dive the wreck. The rest is history. I've found one of the oldest shipwrecks in England." Unquote. According to maritime archaeologists, there are several unique factors that have allowed this wreck to remain in such staggeringly good condition. Not only have layers of sand and stone protected much of the ship, especially its hull, from being destroyed entirely, but the low oxygenation of the water that surrounds the wreck also minimized damage. The ship is estimated to be around 750 years old and has been nicknamed the Mortar Wreck because it appears that the ship had been carrying quite a lot of limestone, which was often used to make mortars for grinding flour during the Middle Ages. 
I've got one more big story to share with you today, but we're going to take a little break for some brief words from our sponsors. But come right back. There's more art news to share. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I try to do whatever I can to make sure that I keep my car running perfectly, I get its oil changed, I get the tires rotated, and I generally just take good care of it. Now, we also try to do the same for our bodies, with exercising and eating right, trying to get enough sleep and more. But just as important is doing so for your mind, because how we care for our mind affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest just as much time and care into keeping our brains healthy. There are plenty of ways to support your brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. And there is also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I use BetterHelp to connect with a therapist in less than 24 hours, and I loved being able to talk to them via phone or chat without waiting, traveling, or sitting awkwardly in an office. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy, and like me, you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So I recommend you give it a try. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash artcurious. That's betterhelp.com slash artcurious. Welcome back to Art Curious and our news this week. For our last story today, I'm thinking about what is quite possibly one of the most interesting items ever to be left on someone's doorstep. This week, a Dutch art historian and art crime investigator named Arthur Brand announced that he had recovered an ancient Roman Catholic relic that was stolen from a church in Normandy. The relic, he said, was left on his doorstep. Now, to be totally fair, Brand had asked for it. Literally. The investigator had been tipped off by a source who claimed to be indirectly connected to the thieves, who had pilfered the relic from the fake Comp Abbey Church earlier in June. Brand notes that once he notified the source that the relic could not, in fact, be sold, he asked them to deliver it safely to Brand, leaving the item on his doorstep and ringing the doorbell. As Brand reported, once the contact agreed to return the reliquary, he waited at home for days and nights to make sure that he was around to safeguard the package when it arrived. In an interview with the BBC, Brand said, quote, A couple of days later, at 10.30 in the evening, the doorbell rang. I looked from my balcony outside, and in the dark, I saw a box. I ran down the stairs, afraid that someone would take the box. Outside, I looked around, but there was no one there, unquote. Holy relics are fascinating and curious enough to devote a whole slew of Art Curious episodes on them, and we did touch on them early on in our first season in episode 10, where we looked at the phenomenon of crying and bleeding statues. But what makes this particular reliquary special is that it is one that houses what is called the precious blood of Christ. It is a golden church-shaped reliquary holding lead vials supposedly holding drops of the surprise, surprise, given the name, blood of Christ from his crucifixion. And they have been lovingly accommodated in the Fécamp Abbey Church for the past 1,000 years. According to Brand, its religious importance was his bargaining chip for getting the stolen work returned. As he said, quote, To have the ultimate relic, the blood of Jesus, in your home, stolen, that's a curse, unquote. Brand passed the relics onward to the police, and the police, in turn, will present them back to the Abbey in Fécamp. Now, before we go, I've got bonus stories for you. Yay! 
So these are two follow-ups to the stories that I've shared in previous episodes of Art Curious News this week. So first, yes, there was another climate protest with art at its center. This time, it took place in Italy with disruptors from the Italian group Ultima Generazione, or Last Generation, who glued themselves to one of the most iconic paintings of the Italian Renaissance, Sandro Botticelli's Primavera at the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes of Art Curious News this week, then you already know my feelings about using art, especially art that you don't personally own, as a centerpiece of protest. And here's a hint. I don't love it. But I do give at least a tiny bit of credit to the protesters with Ultima Generazione because they put out a statement writing, quote, We consulted restorers who advised us to use a glue suitable for glass and frames. In the same way that we defend our artistic heritage, we should be dedicated to the care and protection of the planet that we share with the rest of the world, unquote. So there's that, at least. But I also want to know, who are these art restorers who are recommending even quote-unquote glue suitable for glass and frames? So it's obviously someone sympathetic to the cause, certainly, but it also feels slightly antithetical to a restorer's work. But anyway, I digress. Last follow-up. Previously, I mentioned the story of the art historian who had been accused of falsely identifying several paintings as authentic works by Jean-Michel Basquiat. In that story, the art historian noted that she purportedly had been bullied by the director of the Orlando Museum of Art, Aaron de Groft, who was showcasing these potential Basquiat's in a blockbuster exhibition earlier this year. After the works were seized as possible fakes, de Groft was ousted from the OMA. But according to an article in The Observer, this doesn't appear to have been the first time that de Groft did something potentially shady like this. As The Observer said, de Groft has had a history of quote-unquote discovering paintings, especially works dating from between the 16th through the 20th centuries by previously unknown artists and then going back and reattributing them as masterworks by big-name artists. So they came across as previously unknown finds by the likes of Jackson Pollock, Paul Cezanne, and Titian, all of these which are heavily disputed but that were deemed authentic by de Groft. Now, if you've listened to my show before, then you'll know that art attribution is a very, very tricky and often inexact business. Wink, wink, Salvador Mundi. But still, all of this is very interesting as a pattern in de Groft's life, is it not? Thanks for listening to this segment, our short-form news recaps that rounds out your art historical knowledge here on Art Curious. Again, if you like this episode, please let me know. I have been so excited to hear from many of you who've already said on Facebook, Instagram, and to me in email that you have enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach out to me, do so on those platforms or email me at jennifer at artcuriouspodcast.com. And if you are missing your traditional Art Curious content while we are on break between seasons, definitely check us out on YouTube. I recently posted a video with extra content from our Bert Weil episode from earlier this season that did not make it into my original recording. And bonus, you get to see me make a gaffe when I accidentally move from commenting on French history to inadvertently referencing a very famous Steven Spielberg film. So that's fun. You can find that by going to youtube.com slash C slash Art Curious Podcast or by searching Art Curious, one word, on YouTube. Until then, see you next week and stay curious.